Hey, deserving listeners. So as I was researching for my deep dive on narcissistic personality disorder, I did a 11-hour episode on narcissistic personality disorder. I came across a bunch of articles and YouTube videos that were trying to list the best movies that depicted narcissistic personality disorder. And I was as I was looking at the various lists, I became confused because many of the movies that they pointed to were I don't in my opinion they weren't very good representations of narcissistic personality disorder. So I thought I'd make my own list and I thought I'd explain narcissistic personality along the way. If you want to get access to my deep dive on narcissistic personality disorder, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. When you become a patron, you get access to hundreds of deep dives on various different topics. So, you know, it, it makes sense to me. The more I look into the research, it makes sense to me why people misunderstand narcissistic personality. Research shows that personality disorders are particularly difficult for lay people and clinicians to understand. Particularly, uh, narcissistic personality disorder is hard to understand for clinicians. Unless you've been studying it and treating it and getting supervision and uh, you know thinking about it for a long time, it's really hard to grasp the concept of narcissistic personality. You really have to experience it in all of its different forms. It's it's similar with other difficult diagnoses like ADHD is kind of this way. If you just read the symptoms, you could easily misdiagnose people with it. You really have to be an expert in ADHD to to really grasp the full breadth of it and how other things can look like it and blah, blah, blah. It's the same with narcissistic personality. So what am I looking for when I'm evaluating whether or not a movie or a TV show depicts narcissistic personality well? Well, I'm looking for five different characteristics. Number one is are there signs of deep insecurity and a lack of self? Number two, is our, does the character exhibit a need to make everyone know that they are superior? So it's not, it's not just that they are superior or they're, you know, it's not just that they are in a position of power. Do they have a deep need to assert that to others and to themselves? Number three, do they exhibit dysfunctional reactions when their superiority is threatened? That's important. Number four, are there signs of pathological independence? Are they aloof? Are they unreasonably independent at the expense of their own attachment needs? Number five, are the narcissistic behaviors, do they cause self-harm? So all these behaviors, all these, all these efforts to uphold a grandiose narcissistic superior self does do these efforts actually result in in some kind of harm to the self because that's important just because you're you know you're sort of stuck on yourself or self-centered or something or in a position of power or even mean to other people it doesn't necessarily mean you have narcissistic personality uh one of the signs of narcissistic personality is they often will shoot themselves in the foot now, before I go into my favorite movies that depict narcissistic personality, I just want to say that the characters I'm about to explain are examples of severe narcissistic personality disorder. So there's a spectrum. Uh, most people do not have narcissistic personality disorder, but of the people who do, there's a spectrum from, shall we say, zero to 100 
you know, hundred percent meaning the most severe narcissistic personality disordered person. And what I what these movies are depicting are people that are in the you know top ten percent. So just keep that in mind. There are people at the twenty percent level, at the fifty percent level that would never exhibit this sort of severe, severely dysfunctional, harmful behavior to other people. So I, I don't want to stigmatize narcissistic personality disorder. A lot of the lists online absolutely stigmatize narcissistic personality disorder by equating it with, you know, lots of things that I'll get into in a second. Okay. So by far the best movie that depicts narcissistic personality disorder is There Will Be Blood. 2007 movie written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who also brought us Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and Punch Drunk Love. Of course, I'm talking about Daniel Day-Lewis's character. Okay, so what's the evidence? Again, let's look at those five things that I pointed out. Number one, were there signs of deep insecurity and a lack of self, a lack of sense of self? By the way, if you want to learn more about these concepts that I'm throwing out, listen to my podcast. It's called Psychology in Seattle. I have many episodes in which I talk about a lack of self or a sense of self and insecurity and narcissism and personality disorders. But anyway, so number one, does the Daniel Day-Lewis character exhibit signs of deep insecurity and a lack of self? And the answer is yes. You really get a sense that he is not a happy person and that he clearly does not have the ability to soothe himself unless he tries to prop up this narcissistic supply. So we see it uh, in two scenes. The main scene we see it in is that scene at the restaurant. He is sitting with his adopted son at a table, and a table next door to him is seated are these other oil men that are in competition with him. And the Daniel Day-Lewis character is looking at the three other oil men, and he's, it's clear that he's envious of them. But he's not exhibiting empathy. What he's exhibiting is hostility and bullying and just being a very awkward jerk to these other people. But it's clear from the way it's written, acted, and directed that the Daniel Day-Lewis character is deeply suffering and deeply flawed and deeply not happy about things. And the other oil men are just kind of like, okay, buddy, I get it. You are angry at us. I guess that's your thing. So you really just get a sense of... Daniel Day-Lewis shooting himself in the foot. Earlier in the movie, the Paul Dano character is the leader of a church and humiliates the Daniel Day-Lewis character in front of the congregation. And the thing about people with narcissistic personality is they, they tend to be extremely sensitive to humiliation, particularly in front of large groups of people. And you know because it challenges their ability to prop up their defensive narcissistic self, and they're forced to face their vulnerability, which is very scary to them. So because da- the Paul Dano character humiliated the Daniel Day-Lewis character in the church, he waits years and years and years, and... Uh, figures out a way to completely um, undermine Paul Dano by taking away all of his oil and money, you know, I sip your milkshake, and then proceeds to kill the Paul Dano character. So this is evidence of someone who is, is deeply struggling with inner shame and does not hold the ability to soothe himself. A more functional person would have just moved on with their life and said, well, that was humiliating, but you know, I, I'm, I know I'm a good person. I know I don't have to assert my you know, power over that other person in order to preserve my self-esteem. People with narcissistic personality disorder, uh, because they don't actually have self-esteem, 
they are frequently asserting it through aggression and acts of superiority over other people. Because as they prop up that grandiose superior self, they can look at it and it distracts them from their deep emptiness, loneliness, and insecurity. Okay, number two. Do we see in the Daniel Day-Lewis character a need to make everyone know that he is superior? Absolutely. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, we see that he's attracted to an occupation that will allow him to gain tremendous power and wealth. People with narcissistic personality um, sometimes are attracted to jobs and occupations that will help them to gain power, prestige, wealth, whatever. He is also constantly driven towards power and wealth, often at the expense of his own needs. He puts himself at great physical risk and monetary risk to try to achieve greatness. And when he achieves great power and wealth, he's definitely not happy. In fact, he's you know more miserable than ever. So we see that. Number three, do we see dysfunctional reactions when his superiority is threatened? Absolutely. He's depicted as being moody really throughout the movie. People with narcissistic personality are often moody because they have fluctuating narcissistic supply. When they have a great amount of narcissistic supply and a lot of people are giving them accolades or there's reasons for them to believe that they are grandiose and superior, they tend to feel elated. And when there's a lack of narcissistic supply, they tend to be in a very bad mood. Again, because of the lack of self, they can't soothe themselves. They can't turn to themselves and say, well, I'm a good person. I don't need everyone to love me all the time. I'm okay. They can't do that because they weren't given a chance to develop that, that skill or that personality trait early in life due to mistreatment. Also, because Paul Dano's character humiliate him, uh, he later kills him, right? So this is him uh, having a uh, reaction to the uh, the Paul Dano character humiliating him. Uh, number four, do we see signs of pathological independence? Yes, absolutely. The Daniel Day Lewis character is pretty much alone for the for the entire story that's depicted in the movie, except for his relationship with his adopted son. Uh, but with even with his adopted son and everyone else, he's very aloof. He pushes people away. He even says at this critical scene in the movie that the only reason why he wants to make money through oil is because he wants to make so much money that he doesn't have to deal with anybody anymore. He's like, I want to make enough money so I can get away from other human beings. So oftentimes this is misinterpreted as psychopathic or you know, lacking the desire for attachment, but it's really the opposite. Deep down, narcissistic people have a have a deep desire, just like anyone else would, for attachment and security and love. In fact, they probably have a greater need for it because they've never really been given it, and they live a life that doesn't allow them to get it because they don't like to be vulnerable because that's very scary to them. And so uh, this aloofness is often interpreted as you know, well, that guy, he doesn't care about, you know, relationships and this sort of thing. And it, you couldn't be farther from the truth. Again, the Daniel Day-Lewis character in all likelihood cared deeply about attachments, but didn't allow himself to express those needs because in his, in his childhood, presumably, he didn't get any of those needs met. I know this is a fictional character, but it's such a real depiction of severe narcissistic personality that I feel like I know this character. Um, now, he did uh, show some dependence or some attachment with his adopted son, um, and 
the you could speculate that the only reason why he was he allowed himself to express love towards this young you know towards this boy was because the boy was dependent on him and wasn't likely to leave him so people with narcissistic personality they uh because they're so afraid of rejection and abandonment and mistreatment they will tend to only attach themselves to people that they can control so that was depicted in this movie as well. Again, I'm talking about severe narcissistic personality. And the last one, number five, do we see that the narcissistic behaviors cause harm to himself? Absolutely. He's frequently causing harm to himself. He alienates everyone around him, particularly when uh, he turns on his adopted son at the end of the movie. You know, by the end of the, pretty much the entire movie, he's miserable except during brief moments of success. Um, and at the end of the movie, he is clearly miserable and i thought that uh pta you know depicted that really well in daniel day lewis it's a beautiful movie i love it it's extremely realistic when it comes to narcissistic personality disorder i really can't think of a better movie that depicts it and there's really there's really only one movie that even come close which i'll get to in a second and all the other movies are just like a distant distant third to that so you can really tell that the Daniel Day-Lewis character is extremely insecure and vulnerable and almost childish at times when he is suffering. Um, he seemingly has no way to soothe himself except through acts of superiority and pathological independence. He hates being humiliated, and he's driven towards success, towards success even though the success gives him no happiness. The second movie, which I consider to be basically tied with this movie, but it depicts a very different flavor of narcissistic personality, is The Talented Mr. Ripley. Written and directed by Anthony Mangella, uh, or Mingella, I'm not really sure how you pronounce it. Matt Damon plays the main character. So I say different flavor because uh, the characters really seem quite different, but at the core is a narcissistic personality. So if you really want to learn about narcissistic personality, I recommend watching these two movies like 20 times and really getting to know what uh, you know two very different looks of narcissistic personality uh, can look like. Okay, number one, do we see signs of deep insecurity and a lack of self? Absolutely. He clearly lacks a sense of self. He changes his personality to please other people. He can't just be himself because he doesn't really have a self. And when people start rejecting him, he can't handle it. Again, he has no ability to soothe himself. And at the end, he has a breakdown. He feels like he's nothing, which is very common to people who lack a self. So when you lack a self, you have to resort to something to prop up some kind of sense of self. Otherwise, it's extremely depressing and distressing and demoralizing and horrific. And so for narcissistic people, what they will do is they will prop up this superior self, which they can look at and say, oh, okay, that's me. But, but you know, really that they kind of know that that's not the real them. And they know that deep down they're empty and they feel like they're nobody, even though they are not nobody, they're absolutely somebody that deserves love and everything. But they don't believe that because of the way they were treated. Um, and he says this line that is just beautiful, and it really depicts this really well. He says at the end of the movie, better to be a fake somebody than a real nobody. Better to be a fake somebody than a real nobody. It's perfect. It totally depicts narcissistic personality. He believes that he's a real nobody. So the, his only option is to become a fake somebody. Number two, do we see a need to make everyone know that he is superior? Absolutely. 
He's completely obsessed with rising in the upper classes by meeting Jude Law's character and Gwyneth Paltrow's character. And he's willing to do anything to get there, including lying. Uh, He becomes aggressive when his lies are detected. And he's very good at manipulating other people and reading other people. Narcissistic people sometimes can be very good at reading other people because when they were growing up, in order for them to get a little bit of love and attention, they really had to pay attention to how, how other people were doing and, and how, what affects them, how to influence other people. Um, because, again, when they were five years old, that might have been the only way they could actually get um, a little bit of love and attention or even just safety. Number three, do we see dysfunctional reactions when his superiority is threatened? Absolutely. When his superiority is threatened, spoiler if you haven't seen this movie that's, I don't know, 10, 15 years old. Uh, when his superiority is threatened, he actually kills on two different occasions. But at the same time, I just want to point out the flavor of this narcissistic personality disorder is different in that you can really get a sense for the fact that the Matt Damon character actually does have empathy and compassion, even while he is murdering the, his his best friend or boyfriend at the end of the movie. You really get a sense that it is it's hard for him. You know, he has a tremendous amount of compassion and love for these people, but his need for the to prop up the superior self is overriding his his uh, compassion and empathy for other people, which is important. Sometimes people, even in the DSM, it says that people with narcissistic personality lack empathy. That is not true. People with narcissistic personality have empathy, but it's highly compromised by their, uh, you know, vigorous, intense efforts to prop up a false grandiose self. Number four, do we see signs of pathological independence? Uh, You know, it's a little bit uh, less obvious in this character than it is in the Daniel Day-Lewis character, but it's there. Even though he's sort of glomming on to people, he never really, you know, is truly vulnerable to other people. He's never really himself. So he's never really asking for support from other people in the way that would be functional, in the way that, you know, uh, functional people reach out for help. He never really does that in an honest way. So in that way, he was uh, distant and pathologically independent. Number five do we see that the narcissistic behaviors cause him harm? Absolutely. As things start to unravel for him in the movie, uh, he is forced to face his deep insecurity. He spins out of control. Um, He desperately tries to hold on to his status, and he keeps shooting himself in the foot. And by the end of the movie, he's alone. He's uh, perhaps on the run for murder, and he's still suffering. Okay, so those are the two main movies, and really, I, you know, any other movies that I mention from here on out are really uh, n- not even close to these two movies. Um, I'm a bit of a movie buff, so I've seen a lot of different movies, and um, uh, I can't think of any other movies. If you have any, let me know. Uh, but I'm going to review a lot of the other movies that people point to. So the next movie I want to talk about is The Master. Uh, also written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. This is a fictionalized story of L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, so let's look at the evidence. I would say uh, this is a pretty close, pretty, uh, it's third to my other two movies. There's a pretty big gap between this one, be- mostly because the uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character is, we don't really delve into his life very much. We, we're more going into the Walking Phoenix's character. So we don't really know 
wife, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, is, is doing what he's doing. So I'm guessing if we did know more, we would have more data to support the narcissistic personality disorder depiction label. But uh, but there is there are some signs. Number one, do we see signs of deep insecurity and a lack of self? Well, in the movie, I don't remember seeing anything like that. But definitely for the real L. Ron Hubbard, he definitely reportedly had high emotionality when his narcissistic supply was challenged. Not just like crying, but like utter despair, lock himself in a room for days, screaming, depressed, demoralized. L. Ron Hubbard was a deeply suffering human being from what I understand. You know, could be fake news, but sounds credible. Number two, in the movie, do we see a need to make everyone know that he is superior? Absolutely. He often needs admiration from others in the movie The Master, and he's really good at getting admiration from other people. He even creates a cult to worship him. He finds vulnerable people like Joaquin Phoenix who are susceptible to his control. And as he gets habituated to one type of narcissistic supply, he keeps increasing the intensity of it, increasing the intensity of the loyalty to him. Uh, and, and as this, you know, uh, intensity rises, eventually he, ha- you know, he's a leader of a full-blown cult. Number three, do we see dysfunctional reactions when his superiority is threatened? Absolutely. He's often quite aggressive uh, when he's criticized. Number four, in The Master, does the Philip Seymour Hoffman exhibit signs of pathological independence? I don't really remember this in the movie, uh, so it's hard to know, uh, you know, Again, this is a fictional you know, character, but I don't remember seeing any evidence of that. There's definitely no evidence of functional support sinking by the character, but you know, who knows. Number five, do we see that these narcissistic behaviors cause self-harm to the Philip Seymour Hoffman character uh, himself? Hard to say. Um, I don't remember any harm befalling him. I'm actually having a hard time remembering the end of The Master. Uh, maybe there was something bad that happened to the Philip Seymour Hoffman character. Um, definitely for the real life L. Ron Hubbard character, his uh, or L. Ron Hubbard person, uh, his narcissistic behaviors absolutely did cause self-harm. Uh, when you study his life, it's pretty clear that he did not really benefit emotionally from his narcissistic behaviors. Okay. The next movie we want to look at as a uh, as a the fourth best that I would point to is American Psycho. As people who listen to the podcast know, this is Umberto's favorite movie, directed by Mary Heron. Christian Bale plays the main character, Pat Patrick Bateman. I think it's a good depiction of narcissistic personality, but it's extremely cartoonish. I mean, it's a comedy, so you can't really take it as an accurate depiction of anybody, for that matter, regardless of personality. It's it's basically a cartoon. That's why when we look at Talented Mr. Ripley and There Will Be Blood, we can those are extremely accurate depictions of actual human of actual human beings who actually could live. And so, uh, American Psycho shouldn't be held up as a excellent example of narcissistic personality. Plus, he's really a sadistic psychopath. Sadistic meaning he takes pleasure in harming other people, and he's a psychopath because he has no empathy and no remorse, seemingly, about a lot of really horrible, sadistic, murderous, you know, harmful behavior that he does on other people. So he's a sadist, he's a sadist because he actually gets off on belittling, belittling other people and harming and killing other people. 
people often associate sadism and psychopathy with narcissistic personality, which, you know, couldn't be farther from the truth. The vast majority of people with narcissistic personality disorder are not sadistic and they're not psychopathic. But I would say the first half of the movie, the first, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the movie, if you just took that, I would say it's a pretty good representation of a cartoonish extreme version of narcissistic personality. And let's go through the list. Number one, do we see signs of Patrick Bateman uh, having deep insecurity and a lack of self? Absolutely. When things fall apart for him at the end of the movie, there's a beautiful scene. He's on the phone. Uh, I think he's leaving a message for the detective. He is facing his deep inner emptiness, and he completely decompensates. He confesses to everything, and you really get a sense for the fact that he feels like he's nobody on the inside. Throughout the movie, you know, he seems like he's very confident, but then when things start to fall apart for him, the real him steps forward, and it is extremely insecure and unhappy. Number two, do we see a need to make everyone know that he is superior? Do we see him you know, making sure that everyone knows that he's better than everyone else. Absolutely. He's totally consumed with how things look to other people. There's a hilarious scene with the business card. It's a famous scene. If you want to see it, just Google it. It's on YouTube. That scene and many other scenes, he becomes extremely upset when people assert their power over him or that they're better than him and this sort of thing um, to the point where he actually kills someone. Or did he? Number three, does he exhibit dysfunctional reactions when his superiority is threatened? Absolutely. He's often hostile towards people who threaten his narcissistic supply. In fact, you would say that's a major theme of the entire movie. Number four, do we see signs of pathological independence? Absolutely. He comes across like he doesn't need any attachments. He's extremely independent and doesn't ask for any help, even though he desperately needs help from other people. And he treats women as if they're there to serve him instead of as if they're there to be mutually supportive uh, with him. Number five, do we see that his narcissistic behaviors cause harm to him? Absolutely. Towards the end of the movie, his life has completely unraveled due to his narcissistic personality, and he's terrified and alone. Again, it's more accurate to say that he's a sadistic psychopath and that his narcissism is either a part of this sadistic uh, psychopathy or that his narcissistic personality disorder is really a secondary diagnosis to the primary sadistic psychopathy diagnosis. Okay, so those are the four movies that I'm going to you know, put forth as good examples of narcissistic personality disorder. And uh, really, I can't think of any other movie that uh, fits all the criteria well, that gives us a really rich understanding of the character. Because I just want to, and I've said this before in other podcasts, when I diagnose people with narcissistic personality disorder, I need several hours of individual time with someone who is willing to share with me, who is op- relatively open with me. And only then am I able to even kind of take a guess as to whether or not this person has narcissistic personality. You can't just you know, um, see a couple things and say, oh, narcissistic personality. You can't just look at the DSM criteria, think about someone you know in your life and go, oh, narcissistic personality. You need to interact with them a lot. There needs to be a a fair amount of enactments that happens in in therapy. And frankly, you have to be an expert in narcissistic personality disorder. 
when it comes to things like uh, panic disorder and you know major depressive disorder, you don't have to be a super expert to to be able to diagnose or or even self-diagnose with those disorders. They're not super complicated, and they're not wrapped up in culture and uh, you know uh, I don't know how to explain it, but. They're, they're more simple. There's a huge gap between the easy DSM diagnoses to assess and understand and personality disorders, and particularly narcissistic personality disorder. So just want to say that, which makes sense, right? I mean, if you're a physician and you understand uh, cancer really well, then um, you know, other physicians might not understand cancer very, very well, and particularly lay people aren't going to understand cancer very well. Well, it's the same when it comes to narcissistic personality disorder. Just because you're a clinician doesn't necessarily mean you understand it, and really it takes an expert who has been treating it and reading about it and studying about it, getting supervision, getting consultation, blah, 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 for years. It takes a long time. Um, even for myself, I find that uh, if I am not sort of up to date in my head in terms of studying it and thinking about it, I'll lose my grasp on the concepts that hold everything together. So it's a complicated thing. Anyway, uh, one thing I want to point out is that uh, the vast majority of depictions of narcissistic personality disorder that Hollywood puts out are of men. There's hardly any representations of women, even though women comprise of about a third, maybe even a half of those with narcissistic personality disorder. There's something in our culture that just equates narcissism with men, but it, that's not true at all. There's plenty plenty of women who suffer from narcissistic personality disorder. It can sometimes look a little different, but really not, not that much different. Okay, so other clinicians, as I've been saying earlier on, they will point to a lot of other movies and TV shows claiming that they're good depictions of narcissistic personality disorder. But most of these movies that they point to are not really great depictions in my opinion. Maybe they have a different uh, definition of narcissistic personality disorder. I don't know, but I thought I would go over some of those. Um, This first group of uh, movies, I actually will say that they're actually not that bad. So, So maybe these are, you know, the, the next tier down. So you have the top tier, There Will Be Blood, uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, in the next tier, you have American Psycho and The Master. And then this next tier, which is really a not a great tier for understanding, because which I'll get into. Okay. The Princess Bride is sometimes pointed to, the character of Fizzini. He could be a good representation of narcissistic personality disorder. He's certainly full of himself. But he's, you know, he's a really cartoonish character, and we really don't have enough information about his personality to say. So could be, but not great. Citizen Kane is sometimes pointed to, and I think it's probably a fair representation. He's really driven. He's pathologically independent. He pushes people away from him. When his narcissistic supply is threatened, he reacts you know, in a dysfunctional way, and his narcissism harms him, and in the end, he's a lonely, broken man. So – yeah, I, I I would say that it's not a bad representation, but from my memory of the movie, it's it doesn't really go into his personality that deeply, not as much as the way we see the talented Mr. Ripley and in There Will Be Blood. Anchorman is sometimes pointed to, a uh, hilarious movie, Will Ferrell's character. Again, not a bad representation. He has a lot of the signs. He's full of himself. He needs to assert his superiority. When he's no longer on top, he exhibits his deep insecurity and his lack of self. 
But, you know, as with American Psycho, this is a comedy. It's cartoonish. So I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really look to it as an accurate example of narcissistic personality. The social network is sometimes identified. The character of Mark Zuckerberg, played by Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's a fair depiction. He has a number of signs. He's, he's very aloof and he fears rejection from other people. He pushes people away when he's humiliated, you know, in that, I think it's the first scene in the movie, you know, he, he becomes hostile in a cold way. He's frequently trying to, uh, trying to achieve greatness. He's, he's really driven to be powerful and, and that sort of thing. And he takes revenge on people who humiliate him. But it's really hard to know if he lacks a sense of self, the character, um, or if his behavior is ruining his life. So I, I wouldn't point to it as a great depiction. So there are a lot of other movies that uh, are pointed to by people, clinicians even on the internet, that really I have no idea why people would point to these movies as good depictions of narcissistic personality. The first movie is What About Bob? This is with uh, Bill Murray. I often see this on the list. I have no idea why people would point to this. This is a cartoonish version of someone who has just like a wide variety of mental issues like hypochondria, uh, neediness, you know, attachment preoccupation. And really this movie, if you think about it, is fairly stigmatizing towards clients in general and people with you know, emotional issues in general. Ordinary People is sometimes turned to, the Mary Tyler Moore character. She's cold to her son and she's distant. She's sensitive to criticism, which provokes hostility from her. And she has trouble with empathy, definitely trouble with empathy. But really, in my opinion, she's better characterized as being avoidant, avoidant attachment style and not narcissistic. People often confuse, I'm realizing by reading online stuff, they'll often confuse distance and hostility with narcissistic personality disorder, um, which is a little simplistic. Some people even point to Gollum or, you know, Smeagol of the Lord of the Rings movies, which I have no idea what people are seeing in Gollum that would be narcissistic personality disorder. If anything, it looks more like dissociative identity disorder, which really has nothing to do with narcissism. I think what the fallacy is that people are falling for is they're just like, ooh, that character is weird. He must have narcissistic personality disorder, and I don't know what to say about that. Wizard of Oz is sometimes pointed to, the character of the wizard himself. I really don't understand why people would look to that character as a good depiction of narcissistic personality disorder. From my memory, we don't know much about his motivations for becoming the wizard, And I think that according to a lot of things I'm reading, I think people just confuse people who have power and people who like trick people with people with narcissistic personality disorder. And I hope by now you should all know that narcissistic personality disorder is much more complex than that. Some people point towards Tony Soprano of The Sopranos. I would say, no, he he doesn't really fit that. You know, he suffers from some self-esteem problems, but he doesn't He doesn't suffer from a lack of self and from an extreme lack of um, self-esteem and inferiority. He had, you know, some feelings of inferiority, some lack of self-esteem, but not, you know, not to the level definitely of narcissistic personality. Some people point toward American Beauty, Annette Bening's character. One person online was saying Annette Bening's character is totally suffering from narcissistic personality disorder because she listens to self-help tapes, 
which is an automatic sign of narcissistic personality disorder. I have no idea why someone would say that. I, th- I even think that person was a clinician. Um, listening to self-help tapes is not an automatic sign of narcissistic personality disorder. The character clearly is suffering, and, and she's clearly really preoccupied with trying to get happy herself. But I wouldn't characterize her as narcissistic personality. I might characterize her as someone who is very lonely, someone who is desperately trying to um, find happiness uh, in you know American society. But I, I wouldn't characterize her as having narcissistic personality. Dead Poet Society is sometimes pointed to, bizarrely. People will point to the father of the kid who died in the movie because the father pressured the kid to be a physician. No, you know, just because a father is a jerk does not mean the person has narcissistic personality. The principal is identified as someone who has narcissistic personality disorder. Again, just because someone's mean and strict and you know annoying or something, that doesn't mean they have narcissistic personality. I think people often confuse hostility or mean behavior with narcissistic personality. It's just not um, the case. It's too simplistic. The usual suspects is sometimes pointed to. The character of Kaiser Sose, if you can believe it, they will say that he exhibits narcissistic personality disorder. No, he's a sadistic psychopath. It's completely different. Again, people often confuse sadism and psychopathy with narcissistic personality, and that's just not the case. Now, as I said before, we're talking about things that are based, you know, to at least some degree on opinion. So someone could step forward and say, well, my version of narcissistic personality disorder is this. And, you know, that's fine. I have colleagues who I know actually uh, characterize narcissistic personality disorder differently. So, you know, because these are constructs, these are things in the clinical world that we construct as as clinicians, as researchers, and they're not hard scientific, factual, mathematical things. So, you know, in the way that, you know, this is this is a mouse for a computer. You you can't not say it's not a mouse, right? It's definitely a mouse. You could say it's also a hammer, but it's definitely a mouse for a computer. When it comes to things in regarding personality disorders, we're just like, well, you're going to call that that, and I'm going to call it something different. And really, no one can refute that because we're all just defining a different construct. Anyway, Zoolander is sometimes pointed to, the Ben Stiller character. No, in this situation, people are confusing vanity with narcissistic personality disorder. Fatal Attraction, the Glenn Close character, she's much better conceptualized as someone with a very, very severe case of borderline personality disorder along with psychopathy. So um, again, people equate uh, psychopathic behavior with narcissistic personality disorder. It's not true. Rain Man, the movie, the Tom Cruise character is sometimes called as someone who has narcissistic personality disorder. Completely bizarre to me. Uh, they will say it's because at the beginning of the movie, he's not nice to his brother. Um, no, there's no indication of narcissistic personality. Just because you're mean to your younger brother doesn't mean you have narcissistic personality. Dexter is sometimes pointed to. Uh, one person on, I think it was a clinician, said, you know, because Dexter's always in his own mind, he clearly has narcissistic personality disorder. I have no idea why someone would say that. Jerry Maguire is pointed to a lot. I think there's even an article in the New York Times calling Jerry Maguire as someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, the Tom Cruise character. 
I have no idea why you would do that. I, I haven't, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I, I can remember that movie pretty well. And I, I can't think of a single thing about him that was narcissistic. Maybe that he was very ambitious um, and really needy along those lines. I don't know. Uh, maybe the real character suffered from narcissistic personality disorder because it's based on a real character. I don't know. Uh, another movie, Young Adult with Charlie Theron. You realize we have one of our only women presented here. Charlie Theron's Young Adult's a hilarious movie um, from my memory. Um, and she did exhibit some signs of narcissistic personality. She's very self-centered. She is uh, very full of herself. She's very sure of herself when she shouldn't be. And she has a lot of trouble with humiliation. But really, I think she's better conceptualized as being someone who is very, very immature, very lonely, and very desperate. So, you know, I would, you know, maybe she's on the spectrum kind of, but to me, it wasn't a very good representation. Again, not nearly as good as There Will Be Blood and Talented Mr. Ripley. The last movie here is In the Company of Men, the Aaron Eckhart character. I don't think this is a good depiction of narcissistic personality. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I'm fairly confident that if I watched it again, I would say it's not a good depiction. Um, I don't remember him having a deep vulnerability that he was protecting by propping up a superior self. Maybe there's a scene like that in the movie, but I don't remember it. I think he's just an exaggerated example of a misogynistic douchebag. And some people online will equate douchebaggery with narcissistic personality disorder. Just because some someone is a male entitled misogynistic douchebag and self-centered and selfish, that doesn't mean they have narcissistic personality disorder. In fact, a lot of people who have narcissistic personality, the people that I treat anyway, you would not characterize them as selfish, particularly as douchebags or anything like that. So narcissistic personality disorder is much more complicated than that. So that's the end of the episode. If you want, again, more deep dives like this, please become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. And if you're watching this video on YouTube on the regular channel, please subscribe to my new YouTube channel that is just for videos. It's called Psychology in Seattle Videos. Also, go to the website and you can find all 800 plus of all the episodes that we've ever done. This podcast is 10 years old. We've done a lot of episodes on a lot of things. And I've actually broken out the different categories. I On the website, I show a category. You know, These episodes are good for clients. These episodes are good for new therapists. These episodes are my Game of Thrones episodes. These episodes are movies and TV episodes and, you know, and so on. So go to the website and uh, you know, browse around. Plus, you get to see other photos and videos about us and whatnot. Anyway, thanks for joining him out. Thanks for joining me out there and please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do. Mm-hmm.